All right, y'all, it's Valley of Dreams, America's premier music, technology, and lifestyle podcast. I am Daniel, joined here, as always, by Phil. Phil, how on earth are you doing today? Once again, I am great. I just had a very tasty meal of an arepa that had plantains, black beans. I'm not sure I'm familiar with an arepa. I don't know if I'm saying it right, but it is a sandwich that has corn pancakes as the mm-hmm. bread parts. And boy. Corn, like a latka. Kind of like a latka, yeah, but made of corn. I think a latka is potato. Oh, I thought but, you said potato. Uh, to me, uh, potato, maybe, corn. Maybe Sorry. I said potato. I meant okay. to say corn. I'm pretty confident you said corn and I just heard potato. Yeah. So I just had one of those and okay. I'm feeling warm Ooh. and comfy. Okay. I'm just, I feel great. How are you doing? I'm doing absolutely wonderful. I am surrounded by the pleasant noises of the Thanksgiving slash holiday season. I am drinking on some chamomile tea. I've had thousands of cups of coffee. I had some kashi uh, cereal, the kashi version of shredded wheat this morning. And I also had a fried egg and some sort of little whole wheat raisin product. So, you know, I guess this is primarily a food podcast. It is. (laughs) We always say it's lifestyle, tech, music, but all of our sponsorships and all of our biases towards what we're eating. It sounds like, like you're not in Texas if you're eating kashi. I don't know. I, I, I don't am know a Texan to eat too much kashi. <laughs> I am indeed not currently in the state of Texas. I'm in a more kashi-oriented state. Mm. Although I learned that some of the people who are housing me in this state do in fact own many boxes of grainberry cereal um, with the onyx sorghum in it. So to answer your question from a few weeks ago, Phil, the cereal is commercially available in a number of different states. And I am informed that it is available in the Midwestern portion of the United States. All right. Well, I will keep a lookout for it. I um, haven't had the pleasure yet. I'll keep a lookout. I may hook you up, Phil. Um, You know, I may hook you up. And it may be the case that our sponsors in the sorghum industry will also give you a shout out in the form of millions of boxes of delicious cereal. You all are listening, of course, to Valley of Dreams. I'm Daniel here with Phil. When people talk about Valley of Dreams, there are a variety of things that they like to focus on, uh, our fascinating conversations about food-related topics, our insights into technology, our insights into contemporary music. But one thing that every fan, every viewer, every listener will tell you is that when you think Valley of Dreams, you think quick draw today on the quick draw lightning round issue number one is freddie gibbs the premier older millennial rapper philip 
Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Uncontested. I uncontested. I think he's doing his best work that he's ever done. Yep. And I think he has adjusted his flow. Mm-hmm. Very appropriately. Uh, very appropriately. You wouldn't know that um, you could be convinced that maybe these were like his first albums they hit so hard. Yeah, yeah. It's I mean, really so, cool. Right. And this man is literally a contemporary of ours. Right. I first recall hearing of him in the late aughts, and he was presented as a rapper from Gary who had moved to Los Angeles and gone into the rap industry. Um, of course, in our show notes, we have a link to an article in The New Yorker from 2009, in which Sasha Fear Jones, probably my least favorite musical commentator, shout out to Sasha Fear Jones, um, said, Freddie Gibbs is the one rapper I would put money on right now. And so this is... Well over a decade ago, my impression as someone who vaguely follows popular culture and pop music, I feel, you know, really I'm more of a trendsetter than an observer. Um, My (laughs) observation has been that Freddie Gibbs is at the pinnacle of his career right now. I'm not saying he's peaking. Uh, He's in in a place where suddenly it feels like out of nowhere. Uh, people are really paying attention to the music that he's making and taking the time to look back at the track record that he has created for himself, which is incredibly impressive, not just including, of course, his current stage of uh, working with The Alchemist, previously, of course, working with Mad Lib and with various producers associated with Young Jeezy. I personally find his most recent album, Alfredo, to be fantastic. He's got a new single out with Jadakiss, who, of course, is hot off of destroying the diplomats <laughs> in verses, just like eating them for breakfast in verses. And man, geez Louise, I love to be in a moment where suddenly Jadakiss, who's even even older, um, Jadakiss and my own contemporary, Freddie Gibbs, have a song out that I personally consider to be substantially hotter than anything else that I've heard from anyone, at least in the last few months. It's true. Hey, uh, where are you at on the idea of just like locking in with one producer for a whole album? I think that's... That's kind of where I'm at right now in my life. Oh, man. I think, I think you lock in, you meld yeah. your brains. Yeah. I mean, this is a criticism that is often leveled against contemporary rap and hip hop music that there's this sort of just melange of different styles that are put together on an album that may not necessarily be coherent. So you bring in X hot producer, or you bring in whatever other hot producer and you end up with an album that kind of doesn't exactly feel like an album. I think Drake or Draka, I'm not sure how it's said. Drake may be a, um, an exception to this rule and that mm-hmm. his albums, as I understand it, tend to have a high level of sonic consistency. 
And, you know, I think obviously I'm biased towards the music of the 1990s and early 2000s, which tended to have the sort of consistent sound throughout a record and tended to be records, you know, so Wu-Tang Forever, only built for Cuban links. Um, Even Illmatic, which famously has a variety of different super producers of the era on it, has kind of a consistent, gritty New York sound. Mm. Um, and you know, I don't know if you watched um, uh, Kanye or Ye's uh, re- interview that he did with uh, Drink Champs, which is probably everyone knows my favorite podcast. Um, he got on there and they're talking about the blueprint and Just Blaze. And Kanye says that he did the first part of the blueprint and Just Blaze just came in and imitated what he had done Ugh. for the second part of the blueprint, which does have a consistent sound to it, despite having multiple producers. Same could be said for the Black Album. Um, so to answer your question in the most long-winded way no, possible, perfect. I would say, yeah, mind meld with a producer, particularly if it's, the Alchemist or Mad Lib or, you know, the people who work with Jeezy have a great sound. Um, yeah. and I'm, I'm happy to listen to an entire album that sounds like that. So I think the mind meld is absolutely the right approach. Do you think that getting nominated for a Grammy? Ooh, so oof. the, the idea is, is that you put money on this person. And now I know, and we're not talking what, but what would you bet? Are you betting that they're going to get some sort of universal acclaim or that they're mm-hmm. going to come out with good stuff, that they're going to get recognized? Um, and then using the Grammy as maybe an indicator uh, of having won the money or put the money on the right thing. Um I don't I mean, know if a Grammy is even worth anything anymore. No one knows what the Grammys are. Think- no one watches the Grammys. The rap category on the Grammys is famously just complete garbage. You know, Macklemore beating Kendrick Lamar and things along those lines. So yeah. I'm not sure what the value of a Grammy is. I will say this, however. I think one thing that I like about Freddie Gibbs is his career trajectory and the fact that he basically over a, you know, now approaching 20, geez, Louise. Right. Okay. Um, Approaching 20 years has just been working hard to produce high quality music. That's it. You know, there's not anything particularly flashy about what he does. I think that's one of his great strengths um, is a fantastic rapper, good wordplay, great flow, consistently interesting content, thoughtful, but it's not, you know, sort of over the top um, by any stretch of the imagination. And he's just been doing this for a very long period of time. And, you know, his initial record deal famously fell through, recorded an entire mm-hmm. album that was supposed to come out. And, you know, I want to say 05, 06, talk about a different career, right? Right. Imagine that Freddie Gibbs is hot at the moment that T.I. is hot. 
right? It could, I'm, seriously. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a completely different universe in which yeah. that is the way that he breaks through. And what happened instead is he, you know, sort of was dropped from the label. The album didn't come out. He switched to working with Jeezy, putting out mixtapes and just very gradually uh, built himself into what I, you know, someone who I think is an incredibly important artist and, you know, is finally at this ripe old age and sort of an age of wisdom, um, achieving what seems to be a high level of popularity and critical acclaim. Of course, he's had the critical acclaim for a long period of time. It reminds me a little bit of Papoose, right? If, um, If Papoose suddenly... And, you know, for all I know, Papoose is having the best moment of his career right now. I honestly don't know. Um, if Papoose suddenly was becoming popular and putting out albums that feel important. I liked what you said earlier about his most recent material, feeling like a brand new artist. I think that really hits the nail on the head. And there are a few rappers from that era who, for whatever reason, fell through the cracks um, Papoose is probably the most notable just that in that he had these sort of huge mixtapes and a gargantuan amount of buzz and never was able to sort of um, cross over <clears throat> into the yep. mainstream. Part of it is this more that type of flow was not popular during that era. And I think that could be said of Freddie Gibbs's approach, although obviously he's a Midwesterner. And has associated himself with down south and west coast sounds. Um, his flow is a little bit more on the lyrical side, which obviously was not hyper popular during it's that not period. Po- it's also it's maybe currently not popular. Also currently <laughs> not popular unless hey, you are a uh, when I th- millennial. When I think I, I love talking about Freddie Gibbs. Mm-hmm. I, when I think of Freddie Gibbs and I'm thinking about the Midwest, yep. I think about Rhymefest. <laughs> yep. And I'm always like, what's Rhymefest up to? I should look more into that. And so there's some show notes yeah. that we've got going about like, what okay. should we be listening to? I'm yeah, not yeah. saying everyone should be listening to, but maybe I will take a, take a, a look at what Rhymefest is up like, to. Hey, Midwesterners that uh, have some critical acclaim. Yeah. So what I just never right really now? liked Rhyme Fest's me neither. name very much. Me, and me I I have seen him in concert at a minimum one time and did not particularly enjoy it. That said, you know, he co-wrote Jesus Walks, which is just an incredible song. Mm. And he probably has done all sorts of ghostwriting that I'm not aware of. As a performer, yeah, I don't. Something about him is a little off to me. Yeah, I totally agree. Something's off. I'm gonna still look into it though. I just, yeah, I'm curious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Looking back on yeah. things that were blazing hot. Yeah, circa yeah. 2004, 2005. <laughs> it's anyway. life we lead, man. Yeah. So, quick draw issue number one. Freddie Gibbs is indeed the premier older millennial rapper. Issue number two, is Pokemon Go the real metaverse? 
I have not been paying a lot of attention to Pokemon Go. This is one of the many issues that I've been sleeping on for the last half decade or so. I remember around about five, six, seven years ago, noticing gangs of people staring at their phones in a group situation. And my initial thought was these people are about to get robbed every time that I would see, see someone doing what I later learned was Pokemon Go. I, my brain rapidly identified it as dangerous behavior that <clears throat> in the world that I'm familiar with is likely to get you, uh, you know, what's the term jacked, right? Um, <laughs> I mean, realistically, uh, for whatever reason, people feel comfortable doing this. I once, I believe, convinced someone to show me a Pokemon Go scenario. And I guess they're just sort of superimposed on the world. That to me seems really neat. And, um, you know, metaverse in a way that may be more interesting than whatever Facebook is up to. So issue number two, is Pokemon Go the real metaverse? Phil. Ooh, I hope so. And I am much more interested in the metaverse being based on having fun mm. as like its core principle rather yeah. than um, sharing news articles to <laughs> avatars with, yeah, it's like, with dubious fact checking. Yeah, it's like one version of the metaverse is, is this dystopian, you're wearing glasses that are telling you that the world is incredibly threatening to you you know the metaverse yep. is basically the local evening news it's all about dog bites and house fires and murders that's one version of the metaverse the other version is you are just collecting adorable pokemon <laughs> exactly exactly and if they could figure out a way to gamify it to the point where it was like hey you know what you just walked a good amount with your aura ring. I'm going to give you your little avatar in the Pokemon land. Yeah. Just leveled up or something like that. I shout out to aura ring. I know major. Uh, I'm way more interested in the underlying, uh, like framework of the metaverse being mm. based on fun yeah, rather than yeah. just like general stimulation. You know I hate I mean? stimulation. It's like, yeah. just like, ah, ah, ah. I mean, it seems like the main problem with our world today is stimulation. <laughs> That's right. And here, here's a thought. You always hear people say things like, this is not a game. I'm not playing on and on and on. Maybe it should be. I'm right there with you. Why, why wouldn't you want to play a fun, awesome yeah, game? Like, really? You don't want to have fun right now? You want to yeah. battle? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, yeah, I'm, I, think, I think there's opportunity for a real metaverse to emerge. <laughs> Out of Pokemon Go. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. As at least competitors to, the, to, the, to Facebook. Okay. Okay. Issue. Think, yeah. 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 No. Yeah. I, I'm ready. I'm ready for it. Is all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. I feel you. Issue number three, the Grammys. My understanding is that Nas's album King's Disease 2 has been nominated for a best rap Grammy. I 
briefly skimmed a Pitchfork article about the Grammys. Obviously, we're huge Grammy haters here on Valley of Dreams. We don't understand. You know, to us, life is the type of game where, you know, trying to get weird prizes that you put up on the wall is not exactly why you're playing the game. Um, at least for me, I don't want to speak for you, Phil. Metal uh, wall, for what? sure. But yeah, maybe a metal wall. wall. Yeah. Not my real wall. Yeah, yeah. The metal so, wall. So Pitchfork talking about this nomination in Nas said something that I found pretty interesting. King's Disease 2 isn't one of the best rap albums of the year. My brain basically <laughs> exploded <laughs> upon reading this information as someone who is a consumer of a fairly large amount of rap music. And by the way, I want to point out that there have been fantastic releases by King Lil G and Shoreline Mafia over the past year that seem to just be completely overlooked by whatever media creates the Grammys and Pitchfork, at least as far as I can tell. Um, all that said, yeah, Nas is an established artist. And yeah, Nas has put out a million albums that are basically not very good. King's Disease 2 does not fall into that category. King's Disease 2 is a, at least in my reading, top level Nas album. And it may just be because I'm prone to liking this adult contemporary rap right now. <laughs> um, but man, Brunch on Sundays... Hashtagging on the gram, that's Sunday fun days. I'm sorry, this is pretty high quality <laughs> material. Um, the, the Death Row East song is great. His flow sounds fantastic throughout the entire album. Largely produced by Hit Boy, guess what? One of the main knocks against Nas is that the beats on his albums tend to, how do I put this, not be very good. And there tends to be a lack of cohesiveness. Definitely not an issue with this album. It sounds like a real album. And it is a real album that I personally have enjoyed listening to a lot, which I cannot say for most contemporary music. Phil. King's Disease 2. <laughs> you are a big fan. I'm a big fan. I, I, but, oh man, it's so interesting. But best rap album of the year is, is what we're talking about. Yeah, that's what we're talking about. And I don't know what the other nominees are, to be honest with you. I took events at the idea that this was not among the best rap albums. Yeah, and I think that is maybe just the core of it. What year Nobody... are we talking about? <laughs> 2021. Okay. <laughs> right? What? So it's like King's Disease 1. Okay. Which beat out, did it beat out Freddie Gibbs last year? Did he win a Grammy for that? <sighs> I don't okay, know. Okay, so 2020 to me, I don't know what <laughs> happened that year. It's pretty much a wash. I didn't pick up a lot of information about my surroundings during that year. Um, when I was listening to music, it, which was a lot, it wasn't that. I did not know that King's Disease 1 existed. Yeah, okay? won so, a Grammy. Beat, is that true? Won right, a so, Grammy. Right. So like we got two pandemic years in a row Yeah, where Nas, who's like the 
you know, I don't know how we we uh, we talk about Paul McCartney a lot. Is he? Yeah. The, he's the he's the Paul McCartney of rappers. Yeah, he's Paul McCartney. His quality of, so, level is so high that it's very easy yeah. for him to put out material that's not good. Or like who? Like Robert Plant. <laughs> okay. You put out okay. a Robert Plant. It's like. <laughs> You got Nas yeah, puts the out the new Robert Plant and Allison Cross album. All it wins a Grammy back, every year. Back to back King's Disease albums. Okay. I personally never heard King's Disease one. Yeah. Um, and won a Grammy. And I am shocked to see that the creativity of adding, making a second version of, or second, <laughs> a sequel to King's yeah. Disease one. Um, is back as a Grammy nomination. Anyway, I don't know what I'm getting. No, at, no, no. I mean, that I sounds like something. Here, very my thought. Fascinating. My thought is one. I didn't know that King's Disease One existed. My telephone told me that King's Disease Two existed, and I listened uh, to it, and I was like, "Wow, Nas is back." I later watched a you know an. Unbeknownst to me, he'd won a Grammy the, the year before. I later watched his interview with Jesus and Marrow in which they were like, hey, so you just put out King's Disease 1. What's up with this? And he said, you know, we were having so much fun. We just kept going. At which point I went back and listened to King's Disease 1. I had indeed heard the singles from that album. Um, what There was one that I really liked. I'm not sure if it was on that album. Or not, uh, uh, no bad energy. I thought that was a great song. Um, and you know what? <clears throat> I didn't think King's Disease One was very good at all. Oh no! I, I listened to it. And I didn't think it was that good. Um, oh, no. So, <laughs> uh, um, you know, and I just I think that's where we're at. Where it's just like maybe 2021 could be a bad year for rap rap albums. <laughs> Well, Just so in general, you got so Donda. Was, yeah, Donda. So my understanding is that Alfredo, Love the Freddie Gibbs album. Yeah, no, no comment. My understanding. My understanding is that uh, the Freddie Gibbs album, Alfredo, came out in 2020, and you're yeah. so it was nominated for a Grammy then. Uh, we're going to have to check. We're going to have to put these down in the show notes. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> okay. I, it's been a while since I've thought about it. But, so is Freddie yeah. Gibbs not currently eligible for a Grammy or is he up for a Grammy for something else? I think he lost to Nas. Yeah, okay. I'm pretty sure he okay. lost to okay. Nas. It's full circle. <laughs> it's uh, like it's just com- <laughs> completely an unknown Grammy event happened in 2020 <laughs> where... Probably Major. every year. Did they have a Super Bowl in 2020? I mean, it's I think, lost. I think it's by com- that, all of that is lost. By that point of the year, by the point of the year when they were like, let's recap 2020, I was like, we're doing Super Bowls and Grammys for this yeah. year. I don't yeah. think so. Yeah. I don't think so. Um, that Pitchfork article, I thought, had a an interesting line in it which is uh, half of the names could have been scribbled in some kid's trapper keeper during the clinton administration <laughs> if, if not, not earlier, earlier. <laughs> it's like oh my god foo yeah. fighters weezer the only AC, people that, that have the money to make albums mm. and promote them in any way right now yeah are people that are certified 
like gold album makers. Do you, you know think it's, mean? here's a question. Is there a proliferation of low quality indie music right now? I just don't think there's so much of it that I don't think any of it can focus or like coalesce into like a, like uh, something to hang on to something to hang on to. It's okay. like, I mean, put on the radio yeah. and I'll tell you what, it's like Ed Sheeran every yeah. track and yeah. they're bangers. Don't get me wrong. They're bangers. Oh, are they? They're masterful pop hits, but like, really Ed Sheeran. Like, yeah. Check them out. It's I can, pretty wild. What's a song by him? Uh, man. Shivers. Check How's that, that one out. I mean, uh, uh, you'd think I would have heard something by him if he's so good. Um, I don't know how it goes. It has the lyric shivers in it. It gives me the shivers. Like, (laughs) but all I'm getting at is like, I I don't know where that sits in the Grammys. I don't know where Olivia Rodrigo sits in the Grammys. Nominated. Um, I mean, I feel like Dua Lipa is. Mm. non-stoppable force um, yeah but that's got to be one of the big if that album came out this year that's got to be one of the big albums of the year yeah i'm a little bit confused that it's the end of 2021 yeah. right now that's a little little beyond me you are listening to valley of dreams i'm daniel joined here as i always am joined by phil this has been the quick draw lightning round segment Moving on, of course, our famous music segment. This is something that I've been wanting to talk about uh, with Phil for a few weeks. I watched the Woodstock 99 documentary. And, you know, for fans of our previous work, you know that me, Phil, and our good friend Brandon Uh, We talked about this on another podcast, and we had not watched the Woodstock 99 documentary. Other people seem to have a better memory of this period um, than I did. I watched the documentary. There's a lot of Limp biscuit, corn, things along those lines. And it was sort of a revelatory moment for me watching this documentary I realized that my impression of the late 1990s and early 2000s as sort of a utopia musically was just horribly distorted. And my mind sort of went back to this period and I remembered how terrible the music was that people who you encountered on a day-to-day basis were listening to. People genuinely thought that Fred Durst, and you know, shout out to Fred Durst. I actually think he may have been doing things that resonated with a certain genre of person. So that's, you know, there's something to be said for that, I think. Um, I, I walked away from this documentary confused about my childhood, uh, my teenage years, and uh, wondering whether or not the music of the late 90s and early 2000s was in fact terrible. This caused me to say to myself, maybe I should spend a little bit more time actually trying to engage with contemporary music. Um, Maybe I should take this opportunity to rethink some of the uh, stances, which unfortunately I have adopted. And more broadly, 
I began wondering to myself in my sort of uh, nostalgic haze of this period slash of the 1960s slash of the punk rock music of the late 70s and some of the hardcore punk music of the 1980s. Am I missing out on something? What are we missing out on in music as people who, for whatever reason, are a little bit snotty in our tastes? And I wanted to bring this question to Phil uh, with that particular framing and see where Phil stands on this issue. It's interesting. Shout out to Brandon. Well, I remember when I was growing up, you, I went through phases, music phases, maybe uh, like very dedicated music phases. Right, right. Which allowed you to re- – and you had time. Yeah. And – The distractions, had, level of distraction was way different back yeah. then. And you had like time on the material, whether uh-huh. it was driving around in a car with your friends yep. or – driving around uh, in between school, etc. Walking around with a Walkman? Walking around. And I think I the way I chalk it up to like right now is like tyranny of choice where it's there's just so much in so many directions to go in yeah. that I don't have I don't have like an, a, an authority figure or a friends group that I can relate to right, right. frequently, right. daily, multiple right. times a day about a genre or mm. a musical movement or something right. like that. So you're not yeah. in your in in a car with your friends and they're like, "Oh, we should listen to Gorilla Biscuits right now." That's right. And we'll listen to it and like small or like tangent offshoots of that scene, yeah. you know. And yeah. you're just like grinding on it for maybe right, like right. two weeks. Yeah, yeah. And then somebody will pull out like a new Ben Folds album <laughs> and you'll <laughs> like you'll grind on that for a couple days. Shout right? out to Adam. I really have never <laughs> liked Ben Folds. Although <laughs> I, know, I'm actually, I believe, related to the bass player from that band. I've heard that. And so I think I don't have that now. I'm more like a drift. Mm, and okay. when I'm adrift, mm. I don't know that I give, I don't give anything like a chance um, right, to like right. really, really, really fall in love with something. And so do you go back to the old favorites? In I that go situation? back to the old favorites. Now, here's the thing though, like this year, I, for, I don't know what it was about the Olivia Rodrigo album. I was mm-hmm. just like, I'm going to listen to this. This mm-hmm. seems cool. I'm going to mm-hmm. listen to it. And I listened to it, mm-hmm. like, I just, like, committed to it. The emergence of a new talent. Emergence of a new talent, I committed to it. Yeah. Um, I think I also, the other thing is, is, like, I just decided that I was going to let other things that were coming out at the time to just pass me by. And mm-hmm. I was just going to miss out on things mm-hmm. that, like, for example, <laughs> King's Disease 2. <laughs> I was like... <laughs> I wrote it in the show notes. It's like one, it's on my list of stuff to go check out. Yeah, I just, yeah. I'm like, I'm just going to let it fly by me. Also kind of funny because I feel like for the last decade or so, you've been the one who's been like, oh, have you listened to the new Nas Lost Tapes too? And I'm just <laughs> not paying attention. Well, 
I mean, you know, I try to relate to you on things that I know that you are interested in. And <laughs> right. it's like, if I'm going to see you right. over a weekend, I'm going to yeah. bone up on okay. whatever the latest Nas is, <laughs> hoping to be able to be like, yeah, uh, okay, I okay. checked it out, man. Okay, yeah, okay, I, okay. I know about the new Nas. Okay. But like, okay. I've, all that time has passed where I'm just yeah. like, he's not <laughs> listening care. to it. I'm not listening to it. <laughs> uh, so anyway, I just, there's, I think that's what's happening is, is, like yeah, I don't I don't have like a book club for albums right. where I'm just I'm locking in on on something new. Okay, um, so this is it strikes me that one thing that we might do to try to solve this problem is and you've mentioned this before on the podcasts, maybe we should have our own lists. And I'm not saying we should do that now, but maybe long run we might want to consider having our own lists including think- user feedback. I think a list would be really cool. Okay. I would really like to be able to sink my my time into producing a list <laughs> and um, uh, arguing about other lists. Oh, and man. then the real peak, though, is to take items from the list uh-huh. and spend time with them because a group of people that you respect yeah. said that, hey, this is pretty good. Is the social fabric of our nation has just collapsed and that's negatively impacting your music listening? <laughs> yes, I think it's it's a national problem that affects me okay. deeply. So like, it, I'm trying to think of in like 99. Yeah. Like, I'm trying to think what had just really hit really In hard. 1999? When did The Strokes come out? Um... This is embarrassing. It must have been. I would place that at spring of 2000, if I had to guess. If I had to guess. Yeah, yeah. you're right. Is this it? Is this it? Came out in 2001. Okay, never mind. So I'm a bit late. Dang. But uh, I'm going to say that's the era. Well, they were a little bit late because um, my memory of that time period is that it was around spring of 2000 that I started thinking to myself, maybe we should not be listening to Screamo all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Right. We should have kind of a renaissance of music that I actually want to listen to. Right, right. Like there's... There's only so many Elliott uh, uh, records you can put on. So, but yeah, I think, um, I don't really know what I'm getting at here, but like 99 was a weird time. I think it was a transitional a, year. Turn of, <laughs> turn of, you know, Y2K was popping yeah, off super Y2K hard. Was out there. Mm-hmm. We were, we and our friends were all graduating from high school. People mm-hmm. were very angry for some reason. Not us. <laughs> But just yeah. like the world was super It's funny angry. seeing the Woodstock thing. It's like these, I don't remember that category of angry bro. And maybe mm. just because we were in high school at the time. I didn't, I didn't know any frat bros or anything even resembling the people who are portrayed in this documentary. And it was kind of, they make sense as the demo for corn and limp biscuit a lot more frankly than the people that you know you and i went to high school with well do you remember this is i think about this not very often every few years but Hmm. you and i were in a band in 1999 i think and played a show at a local local all ages 
club. Yeah, yeah. And the band that was headlining was a rap rock, I think. I, was it like so you're talking about our show. We played at the Emerson. Is that what you're, you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah. So my memory is that you are completely right about it that. It was like, it was how did we get on this bill? Like, we... <laughs> Well, the best part was that we brought in probably 100, 150 people right. to the show, killed it, and yeah. then everyone left, if I recall correctly. That was really rude. <laughs> we yeah. tried to demand to get paid by the club owners. <laughs> yeah, that was super rude. I wonder what the name of that other band was. Uh, I don't know. But I remember that being a rap rock thing, and yeah, yeah. it was like, oh, man. But you know, whatever shout it was a good them. time. Yeah, shout out yeah. to them. Yeah, shout out. To, I mean, it was the the thing of the moment, and I think that there was there was a moment before that where that was a vaguely cutting edge approach. And yeah. by 1999, I think the fusion with metal, shout out to metal over <laughs> funk, really yeah. just. I mean, somewhere there's a Jay Z Lincoln Park album. I'm yeah, just saying. it's great, <laughs> right? It's great. I'm thankful to have never heard it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah with you. There's also, what is it? Um, who did the big pun? Was that? Oh, I need to think who that was. They did. Uh, there was like a rap and big pun and some punk rock band. I don't know. I stuff like that was very unappealing to me. <laughs> yes. And you know. I, yeah, I don't want to get it. I'm sure Method all right, Man all right, has all right. A, We'll be quiet. We'll be quiet yeah. about it. No, 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 no. I'm sure Method Man has a rap rock album oh, somewhere that definitely. we should check out. I feel like that's a that's something that probably happened. Moving on, you all are listening, of course, to Valley of Dreams. I'm Daniel. Now, I love the way I said moving on. I was like, I'm so dumb with this. <laughs> moving on. <laughs> like, I Dane to participate in my own podcast. Moving on from the music segments. This is Valley of Dreams. I am Daniel, joined here, as always, by Phil. We are just enjoying the season. It's the season of multiple holidays. Are you are you you're still vegetarian, aren't you, Phil? That's right. Eh, okay. Um, moving on to the technology segments. And by the way, shout out to us. We have already discussed music, lifestyle, and technology. In case you're wondering how we became America's premier music, lifestyle, and technology podcast, you probably already have your answer by this point. Technology. Theranos. Elizabeth Holmes, who I have a really hard time not referring to as Katie Holmes. Elizabeth Holmes is currently on trial in San Jose, California for wire fraud. Elizabeth Holmes, of course, was the CEO and co-founder of Theranos, a startup in the Bay Area, which claimed to be able to do uh, something which I'm not sure was actually revolutionary at all. Portable uh, blood testing. My understanding is that there actually are a variety of different Portable blood testing units. Somehow, this was supposed to get rid of, you know, sending uh, your blood sample off to a laboratory. There was sort of a fake 
tech component to this. It reminds me a little bit of WeWork in that you're basically framing something that is not really innovative or tech as tech. Um, you know, WeWork, of course, was basically pretending that renting out office space is a tech product. Um, I'm never, you know, baffled by the entire thing, more baffled by Theranos. There's a great book about this called Bad Blood. There was a documentary on HBO. Holmes is currently on trial for wire fraud. I want to pose the question of whether or not she is innocent. <laughs> That's my tech question of the day. I, man, it is, I think it's a tough one. I, um, I've been following it just a little bit throughout the last couple of years. Yeah. And it does kind of seem like a ton of people are very mad about losing a ton of money. Um, yes. Yeah. I mean, it's, we're talking like billions of dollars in investment money. Um, By people and, who were apparently just complete idiots, right? People who literally did not verify whether or not the technology in quotation marks that she was selling actually functioned. Right. Um, and I think I don't, fully understand the the scope of what it means to do wire fraud. Mm -hmm, <laughs> but, mm -hmm. but based off of some of the things I've read just in like non-science journals, but like on just like normal news sites, it kind of sounds like she knew this thing was not good, not she working. She was well was aware just, of the fact just like that... super non-performant relative to the claims she was making. Yeah, she was um, well aware of this fact. And if they can, I don't know how it works, honestly, but if they can somehow convince jury or whatever that she was well aware that this <laughs> was not real technology, you know, um, it sounds like she might be on the hook. Sounds like she's probably not going to win this one or win it. I don't know. Seems like, Yeah. Yeah, I think the defrauding investors, <laughs> defrauding of investors billions yeah. of dollars and pretending that you were creating life-saving technology, which in reality did not work at all, using other laboratories, engaging in right. garbage laboratory practices to the extent that you did have a laboratory, all strikes me as a little bit problematic. I'm kind of fascinated by the sort of issue of charisma in Silicon Valley oh, and dude. the idea that there are these, you know, sort of masterful people who come up with an idea and transform the world and we all need to worship them. And it seems to be the case that basically no one wanted to be left off of the Elizabeth Holmes Theranos train. And somehow she acquired enough legitimacy and social capital and social proof to have people just believe that this must be good, even if it was totally non-verified. Check this out. Mm. I love this. I just heard this the other day on the radio. You have Mad Dog Matus. <laughs> Mattis. Yeah. At the time, future Secretary of Defense. Mm -hmm. Or, yeah, Secretary of Defense. Mad Dog, he's yep. on the board. Yeah. Henry Kissinger yeah. <laughs> on the board. He deserved it. 
George Shultz, former Secretary of State, who, you know, if you've followed this closely, his grandson worked for Theranos. His grandson was telling him this is a fraud. And George Shultz chose Elizabeth Holmes over his own grandson. <sighs> Wild. So, like, Rupert Murdoch invested. The Walton family invested. <laughs> Betsy DeVos invested. Carlos it's been argued. Slim invested. <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh, charisma to get those charismatic yeah. people. Yeah, yeah. Wild. Yeah, no, you're something. Somebody's onto something with this this charisma. Uh, yeah, yeah. Weaponized charisma. Weaponized. And she's yeah. been put on the the stand. Apparently, we're in day three or four of her testimony. I don't believe that she's been cross examined. Yet, yeah. and you know, presumably because her lawyers think that even though there is a mountain of evidence showing that she is, I don't like to call people liars, um, <laughs> been highly deceptive towards others for her own personal gain um, and to the harm of those who sought blood tests from her company, her lawyers still believe they can put her on the stand and she will be able to convince the jury that she believed she was doing good. Yeah. It's, that's like the most, that's the, what you do, right? That's the defense. It's just, Oh, you convinced all these people to give you money. Convince these people not to. <laughs> it's, it's just nine more people. You yeah. already convinced Kissinger. Yeah. Um, it's the been argued, is, yeah, it's been argued yeah. by uh, one of my brothers that these are all people who deserved it. <laughs> <laughs> um, the thing that's really cool about yeah. this is apparently somebody is making the argument that her boyfriend at the time mm -hmm, is Sonny. the one that Sonny was, can, was persuading her or like, you know, having some sort of uh, charismatic influence over yeah. her to continue doing it so seems like leading yeah. this thing, it's like, oh my gosh. So she's susceptible to an even bigger charismatic power. It's like, <laughs> it yeah. seems like, yeah, the defense team's approach has been two pronged. One is just sort of take a me too approach. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I have no, no understanding of that dynamic uh, between her and Sonny. I, you know, just based on the Bad Blood book, which is really all that I know about any of this. He seems to have been sort of a uh, problematic individual. Um, so it seems like they're taking that approach combined with, you know, which I, my understanding of that argument is she was persuaded to do this by him. Um, right. Combined with she thought she was doing the right thing, which strike me as potentially um, incompatible approaches. I don't know. You have been listening, of course, to Valley of Dreams. I am Daniel, joined here, as always, by Phil. This is America's premier music, technology, and lifestyle podcast. We will see you on the next episode.